Exodus chapter 18. Find that and then we'll be reading therein very shortly. We've been in a series throughout several weeks. That series title is A Slave Nation. We've been learning some things about coming out of the slavery of sin and bondage into the freedom of walking with the Lord. Some of the things that means, some of the things that have been involved with it. And tonight, we're going to be dealing with a slave nation and the message for tonight is the organization of freedom. The organization of freedom. And um, we prepare to look in depth at this chapter, in chapter 18, we will in just a moment. Uh, let me ask you a question. Do the words freedom and organization sound to you as if they don't go together? That question will seem odd to some who are in the room, but others will have to honestly answer yes. Organization sounds like restriction, a chore, limitation, bondage, basically anything except freedom. Uh, I have often encountered people thinking of organization in this manner while trying to help them with financial counseling or in their time management. Whether you find organization and freedom to be a quite natural fit, or if you truly do believe those two items are opposite or even antagonistic to each other, it's my sincere request that when you approach the message tonight with an attitude of being open to the Word of God, and that you let it transform you through the renewing of your mind, the Bible talks about us being not conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. That renewing happens in a large portion to our exposure and obedience to the written Word of God. It changes not just the facts we, can, we have. Uh, for instance, where I was not raised around church at all and did not have any Bible knowledge until I heard the Gospel and got saved at the age of 15, um, I had a lot of facts to accumulate regarding Bible truths and Bible accounts. But some of you who have had the privilege of growing up in church Sunday school, those were a natural part of your upbringing. But it's not just that. It transforms, it changes the manner in which you think. It changes the, the processes of your thinking. And so with this, uh, all I ask of you, this or any message, is for you to be open to the Word of God. And let the Word of God help you to become what you need to become for the Lord. When the Israelites were delivered from Egypt, they were a disorganized mass of people traveling closely together. All they really were. Sort of like one of the early men that had to do with helicopters. A very interesting uh, book upon uh, uh, sky police and it, the development of the helicopter and its use uh, for various tasks. Now we think of it, use helicopters for everything. But one of the early men that worked with helicopters described a helicopter as a lot, a lot of dissimilar parts flying in close formation. That's probably pretty true, about some, especially some of the early ones. Well, the, the, Egypt, or the Israelites, when they came out of Egypt, they were a disorganized mass of people traveling closely together. God immediately, immediately began to transform them into a nation set apart unto Himself. To do this, He gave them organization. Um, he gave them organization in their living. From the specific placement of the various tribes around the tabernacle, which they did, the tabernacle was that tent structure that was in place where God would be worshipped and served. The priest would come. They would offer sacrifices and such. Later on, the temple would be built, which would be a permanent building. But that tabernacle, they would move it along with all the people every time that pillar of fire or pillar of cloud would move. When, God would, when that would start to move, they would pack up and follow it. And there was a certain placement around that tabernacle. The tabernacle was the center every time they encamped, showing us that God is to be at the center of all our families and all our activities and all things with it. Um, it's, uh, uh, it's a very, very telling why he did. The Levites, those who ministered to the Lord and ministered to the people, were around that tabernacle. But the other tribes, 
There were some to the north, some to the south, some to the east, and some to the west. And there was a very specific order in which they were to set up their tents, which were their homes, and how, how they were supposed to arrange them. Each tribe, each family, each tribe had a banner that they would put up that declared who they were. And so this was important. God brought organization to their living. He knew how important that was. Um, then it would also teach them how to live harmoniously and with respect one towards another in a very large community. So God brought organization to their living. Um, it's amazing how many times it's been my observation in 42 years of gospel ministry, 31 years of pastoring, it's amazing to me how often someone thinks they're dealing with a spiritual problem and what they're dealing with is an organizational problem. And so they, they had to learn to, to live in an organized way. He brought organization in their worship. From the earliest times, God has always carefully and plainly laid out the fact that there is a way to approach Him. Many of you in this room witness for the Lord. May God help us all to do it well and often. To be a witness. And uh, as you're witnessing somebody, as you're talking to them about their soul, as you do this, you encounter this from time to time, I'm sure. Uh, I'll run into somebody, I'll be talking to them, and they'll say, well, I've got my own arrangement with God. Remember, heard somebody make that kind of statement one way or another. Yeah, I've got something worked out. You know, I've gone to doing something. I, and by the way, I don't suggest you do all the things I do. It's the quirkiness of my personality. I get away with it sometimes. And, and not, if not, I run very fast. But the, uh, just had one not too long ago that said something about the big man upstairs. And I, I said, you live in an apartment? That's my overweight. Where are you coming no, no, no. I said, are we talking about God? <coughs> Not the big man upstairs. Right? So irreverent, maybe. Um, but God has always said and, 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 and put out how we may approach Him. And He's always had a way in which we could approach Him. Aren't you glad that the way we approach Him is through the Lord Jesus Christ? That Christ finished work on Calvary and then His victorious resurrection we can come to Christ. I'm glad. I believe in whosoever will that we can come to the Lord Jesus. We can know Him as our Savior. That's great news for anybody. And so what happens, He's always had it set up that way. And then, He laid out there are acceptable ways and not acceptable ways to worship Him, to approach Him, to come to Him. And that goes all the way back. You think about the fact of Cain and he tried to come to God in an unacceptable way. And God said to him, He refused his sacrifice and then he said, if you come, if you do it right, forgive me for paraphrasing, he said, you'll be accepted. He told him, he said, you can come the right way. And instead of getting right and coming to God, God's way, Cain became angry. He became upset. And what did he do? He killed his brother Abel. Rather, because Abel's sacrifice was accepted. So instead of getting right, Cain got furious and you know, he was furious. He said, oh, he was angry at his brother. No, he wasn't. He was angry at God. He took it out on his brother. He was angry because God said to Cain, that's not the way you do it. You come this way. But God has every right to tell us how to come to Him. He's God. That's a fact which seems forgotten, not just in the lost world. I expect that fact not to be known by people who don't know the Lord. I expect that fact not to be known by people who don't know the Bible, that, that He is God. But what is disturbing to me as a preacher of the Gospel is I see it in God's house among those who profess to be God's people in their actions, their life. They act like, well, okay, well, God's just going to have to accept it. I'll show up when I want to. I'll do what I want to. I'll come in when I want to. I'll go out when I want to. I'll have no respect for the service, the times, the organization, or anything else. I'll do it my way. That's not the way we approach God. I run into people who act as if they're doing God a favor by serving the Lord. We're not doing God a favor by serving the Lord. It's our privilege to serve God. May we never get over that. May we, may we be humbled by the fact that He would love us with the intense and incredible love that He loves us. And so, God gave him an organization in worship. It wasn't just do whatever you want. In fact, when you get over into Corinthians, and that Corinthian church, which was a fleshly, worldly church, man, 
It seems like the Corinthian church specialized in messing up every single thing you can mess up. But God was patient with them and sent the Word of God to them. But uh, when they did it, some of the characteristics of things they were messing up, like the Lord's Supper and different things that they were really making a debacle of, um, was that they were every man doing his own thing. God said, no, 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 no. No, there's a way to do things. There's a way to do things. What, to me, one of, the, one of the appalling statements I hear over and over again, people say, well, I'm looking for a church that fits me. Really? So you're looking for a church made in your image. Here's something, Brother Keith, I almost never hear. I'm looking for a church that follows the Bible. Where the Word of God is held up in reality and action as the final authority. Where people are taught to open the Scripture and study the Scripture and examine the truth. Where we come and want to learn what God wants us to do. We want to know when we need to get right. We want to be comforted by God and His incredible comfort is the Holy Spirit of God whenever we're weak. We want to come and, and be, be, be uh, challenged and exhorted to do something with our life. Make something out of ourselves for the Lord. And so anyway, organization worship. And then, organization and leadership. Remember, this is a group of people, a bunch of people, but they've never operated as a nation. They've been in slavery 400 years. They didn't get to set their own schedules. They didn't get to make their own decisions. They didn't, they didn't take care of their own families, really. They had no freedom, but everything was done for them. By the way, that's always a trade-off. You keep that in mind. Anytime everything's being done for you, everything's being cared for, you just traded off your freedom for slavery. Always keep that in mind. And so, they, they need organization and leadership. By the way, that's the subject of tonight's message. Um, we're going to deal with this in just a moment. We are all affected by the subject of leadership. Leadership is not a position. You all should know that, especially those of you adults got a little bit of age on you. You've seen people in positions who had no leadership at all. You know, um, and so it's not position. It's approach to life. And it's an approach which must be learned. The Israelites did not come fresh out of 400 years of slavery knowing how to conduct themselves as a free people. May I say likewise, we who have been delivered by the, God's mercy and grace from the bondage of sin have to learn to live, worship, and, and to lead as free people. By the way, when I say we are all affected by leadership, let me give you examples of what I'm talking about with that. Men, we need to learn to lead as a Christian husband. If you have a wife, you need to learn to lead as a Christian husband. You young fellas, by the way, my young folks, not real good reports on how helpful you were today. It's not surprising to me, but it's always a blessing to me when I hear about it, setting up the tables, getting things ready. And I noticed that you did that all through our conference too. Y'all were a definite big help. You weren't just back there. You were getting things done. I liked it. I know they had to calm you down from foot races while you were carrying some decorations a couple of times, but I understand how that works with boys and such. But you really did. You did a good job today, and it was appreciated and noticed. I appreciate the fact you do that stuff. But as, as, uh, as men, we need to learn how to lead as a Christian husband. Do you realize how much of what we have seen in front of us uh, growing up in our, in our nation and, and um, you know, seeing things in our TV, movies, different uh, media things coming, examples of people, uh, how little true training for biblical leadership there is? You know, it's... It ranges from hands off and not taking responsibility for anything to coercion, intimidation, dominating instead of leading. All these different things. There's, there's many, 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 many wrong and even very poisonous examples. God's got a different way for us. He wants us to learn to lead even as the Lord is our shepherd and He leads us. 
and uh, does it the right way. And there's so much we have to learn in this. And so uh, this leading, men, we need to learn to lead as a Christian. It, you know, we're going to be held responsible for it. Gentlemen, we are going to be held responsible for our Christian position within our family. Whether or not we take that responsibility, it is going to be required of us. That should sober us, make us think. We need to learn to, as a Christian, as a Christian father, what does that mean? How do we bring up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? How do we, how do we not discourage them? How do we, how do we encourage them to, to what they need to do in life? How do we, how do we train them in the way that they should go? All these things are things we need to lead, and we need to learn about leading. It's, it has to do with leadership as a Christian man. Taking responsibility within the civil and civic realm, taking responsibility within our community and on our jobs and the people we interact with. Ladies, learning to lead your children. The Bible says that ladies that she's to guide the house. That's the word, guide the house. Not just a passive wallflower, but someone who is who is actively involved with helping the direction go a right direction. And uh, there's a lot to be learned about that. You know, it's interesting. Um, in, in, in the worldly, fleshly type of uh, approach to living, uh, the, the role that God has for men and women is, is so distorted. And um, God's got something so much better, richer, and, and, and more solid than anything that's being foisted upon people. Yeah, demand your rights. Yeah, woman wants to prove you're an equal to any man. Really? Do you know a lot of men? Why do you think that's good? Uh, I mean, <laughs> seriously, that's a bonus. Um, <laughs> well, that little woman's just going to do what you say. No, that's that stuff's not just a bad idea. It's wrong. That's not how we're to treat each other. There's no strength in that. Men have traded off the strength of godliness for machoism. The ladies have given away a great beauty of following the Lord and being what they ought to be in the Lord for trying to make sure somebody knows who they are, make sure they know they can. Really? One of the wonderful things about realizing your identity is in the Lord Jesus Christ is you don't have to prove something to somebody anymore. And uh, thank God for that. And then, young people. Learning to lead yourselves. By the way, that's good for all of us. Sometimes I've had young people, Abby, you're not one of them who's ever done this to me. I've had young people say to me, well, I wish my parents would treat me more like an adult. I've got formula for that. You ready? Now forgive me, I know I'm ancient, so I think of things funny, but I've got a formula for that. You ready? Then act like one. <coughs> Why well, would you trust me? I got one for you, ready? Then be trustworthy. Yeah. <laughs> I got a couple of interesting illustrations right now, but I'm gonna leave them alone. Proverbs twenty-five. We're going to show you two examples of this leading ourselves. And uh, the first one is a warning given in Scripture about this thing of leading and the lack thereof. Second one will be an exhortation about the good way of going about it. Proverbs 25, look in verse 28. He that hath no rule over, look at what he has no rule over, his own spirit. Not talking about the Holy Spirit of God, talking about your spirit, my spirit. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. It's interesting, the dysfunction of that picture, a city without walls in that time had no protection against those who would come to invade it, those who would come to ravage it, those who would come to pillage it. The wall was a protective item out there that kept them from marauding bands that would come in on them. 
The Bible says when we have no rule over our own spirit, we don't have the protection we ought to have. You are very susceptible to being uh, manipulated. A person who has no control over their cells is not only probably, and I throw out a number, it's not scientific, but just observation, probably well over half the time they themselves fall into the classic picture of what a manipulator is. But also a person who has no rule over their self is very susceptible to manipulators. You have no, you have no, no boundary. You have, you have no, no control. But it's not just no, no, uh, that the wall's broken down, or, or, or no wall, but look at the city. What's the city itself like? You have no rule over your spirit. What's it say in the verse? It's like a city that is what? The idea is the infrastructure doesn't work. Commerce isn't happening. Organization isn't happening. You think about times, and I think about in some large cities, there's been strikes among those sanitation workers, and then what that does to a city in a heartbeat. If you have a disruption of the flow of food goods into a city, what that does to people. If you have a disruption of power, what that does to a city. That's the, that's the concept of what it does to us when we have no rule over ourselves. Our life becomes very chaotic. And by the way, you only have so much energy in your life, and you spend all your time wasting that energy instead of doing something productive with it. Funny that some people, I mean, last time I checked, all of us live in the same 24-hour time cycle. And yet some folks can get things done in their life and they take care of things and other people are always in this thing where they're chasing their tails in a circle, as it were, and never catching it. See, that's not a very eloquent picture. It's not a very eloquent life either, trust me. Look in Proverbs 16. Let me show you the exhortation towards what's good. Proverbs 16. Talking about leadership tonight. Talking about the organization of freedom. My friends, if we never have any rule over our own spirit, you will never have freedom no matter what condition you're in. Because you will always take you with you. Wasn't that profound? And you will be the problem wherever you go. Proverbs 16, verse 32. So preacher, I don't like that. Well, I hope you dislike it enough to do something about it. I want to provoke you to good works. Proverbs 16, and look at, look at verse 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. So you have the warning of what it's like if we have no rule, and then you have the exhortation how good it is when we do have rule over our city. If you're going to have discipline within self, you have to have something within yourself that is disciplined. Do you know the word disciple comes from the word discipline? Or I should say those two both come from the same root word. The disciple of Jesus Christ is a disciplined one, one who follows what Christ says to do. And that discipline has to start from within. Do you know one of the great tragedies our nation is facing right now? And what is taking such a toll on it? Our structure of our nation. The structure of our government. The, structure, the very structure of the original founding idea of our nation is designed for a self-governing people. And as God has been cast aside by so much of the population in a previous generation, I really believe this is where it is now, and therefore is now not known by a present generation, what has happened is rights have been exalted up here, responsibilities are ignored. It should be the other way around. Freedom means anything goes instead of freedom means uh, control within a certain set of boundaries. And uh, when, we can, when we have rule over our own spirit, then we can know the freedom God wants. Look in Exodus 18. I told you. It is my study of this chapter which led to everything I've said to you. I, I don't go find a subject and try to tack Bible onto it. In fact, I despise that type of approach. Um, but you'll see why I laid it out this way this evening. A little unusual. I know usually we do bulk of the reading at the beginning. But look in 
verse 13 of Exodus 18 and thinking about these things, I want you to see what happened as God brought the organization of freedom to these people. And I want you to see in this how Moses was not approaching it the right way at first. There's a lot to be learned about this. Moses' father-in-law Jethro, by the way, that's interesting. We think of that name and it's kind of Jethro. You say somebody's name is Jethro. You're not thinking like they're a neurosurgeon or something. You know, it's just not, that's not the equation of that name in our society. But Jethro means excellence or excellent one. That's what it is. It's, it is a strong name. And this is Moses' father-in-law. And uh, Moses' wife had gone back to, uh, Moses had sent her back to her father as Moses went to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he had to be totally concentrated on that, didn't know what all was going to happen. Now they've come out of Egypt, great things have happened, God's shown Himself strong. Everybody, within any distance at all, has known about what happened to Egypt. And so Jethro comes out to Moses, and he's talking to him about what great things God had done. They've celebrated together, they've worshipped God together. And then the next day, Jethro's there observing, and he sees what Moses is doing. I mean, this is a brand new nation, birthed in the day. Here's the leader of this nation. And so, let's pick it up in verse 13. That's the scenario of what's going on. It says, It came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people. The idea that he's bringing them judgment, they'd have questions about things. It's a huge community. 600,000 men, not counting women and children. And so he's bringing them knowledge on how to do different things, how to interact with each other. It says, it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses, look at it, from the morning until the evening, unto the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, what is this thing that thou doest to the people? By the way, Jethro is a great picture of leadership. He starts out with a question, he doesn't just barge in. Well, I'm your father-in-law, you need to listen to me. No. He's, what, what are you doing? He's, he tries to find out first. I love that about him. Why saidest thou thyself alone and all the people stand by thee from morning unto even? And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and His laws. So he's taking the laws of God and he's applying them to their situations. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, he's talking to Moses, and Moses is administering the Word of God. Look what he says to him. It says unto him, the thing that thou doest is not good. Can you appreciate how bold of a statement that is? Had Jethro ever been holding the rod when the Red Sea split? He ever, he ever make the water into blood and call in, you know, hail and fire and uh-uh was he there at the passover nope but he made a very good statement and by the way i'm, I'm underscoring this for a reason you'll see in just a moment he says to him think thou do is not good and then verse 18 thou will surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee for this thing is too heavy for thee thou art not able to perform it thyself alone you imagine some people who had been there from morning, they get up to within 10 people of Moses and they shut the thing down for the night. Then they got to start over again. How, how do you take care of your family? How do you get your cooking done? How do you get your cleaning done? How do you do anything when you've got that type of a... You know, think about a day when you absolutely that day have to go to the BMV and you can see the parking lot's full. And multiply that feeling. Verse 19, Hearken now unto my voice... I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men. I wish you'd mark that if you mark in your Bibles that little phrase. Able men, such as fear God, Men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter 
they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. If, watch this question, thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all this people shalt go to their place in peace. So Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose, noted again, able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And they judged the people at all seasons. The hard cases they brought unto Moses, but every small matter they judged themselves. And Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way into his own land. Give you thoughts about this thing here, um, about this freedom of uh, the organization of freedom and this thing of leadership. Look, look at several things from this. First of all, I want you to understand organizing involves choosing to walk away from the I can do it all mentality. Look at verse 18. Talks about that in that chapter. Thou wilt surely wear away, both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee, thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Uh, Moses was the only one there when God spoke to him out of the burning bush. It was a very private thing. Moses allowed Aaron to go with him, or God allowed Moses... I'm confused. Back up, try it again. Okay, God allowed Aaron to go with Moses. Is that right? All right, keep me on track if you can. God allowed Aaron to go with Moses as they went down to Egypt. And uh, he went there, but it was the two of them. And at the very beginning, the elders and the leaders of Israel were upset at Moses. I don't know if you would remember back one of the early messages of the series, I preached on the, the resisting the deliverer. And they did. They resisted their deliverer when he came. And, uh, and so they did that. Moses had been there. Moses had been the one who went before God uh, to, to stop the hail once it came. He'd been there to stop the thunderings after it came. He'd, been, he'd went in before Pharaoh. But now, God's building an entire nation for Himself, not just Moses. And at some point in the leadership of organization, God, God had to uh, have Moses understand, and He did it through Jethro, his father-in-law, that he had to step away from the I can do everything mentality. I like to do a lot of things. I like to learn things. I like to take care of things. But it's a, good, it's a good thing in life when you realize you're not the only one involved in what's going on in your life. And um, it's vitally important for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to act as a body and not as a, uh, a, a, one-man, a one-man band, as it were. You know, just one or two people doing the main thing but that we all learn to grow and do what we ought to do. Much failure in organization comes from the mistaken idea that yourself or any other person can do all things well. You're not good at everything. That may be jolting news to somebody in the room. You really are not good at everything. So I get by. That's all right if you get by. Look, I don't want to fix my car. You say, doesn't give you satisfaction? No, getting it back and it running right gives me satisfaction. He said, well, that costs money, not as much as me trying to fix it. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of things I don't want to do. If I never touch a piece of plumbing again in my life other than to turn on a faucet, I'm happy with it. Brother Carpenter has the same affliction because if we touch pipes, they leak worse when we get done. It has nothing to do with the growling noise and the sheer pressure we put on them, I'm sure, but never, never. You're going to work. Ah, doesn't work. <laughs> but we need to learn this and have the humility to understand it. Sometimes it just comes down to asking for help, instruction, learning something. You're not going to get it as long as you think you got it. Be willing to be taught. Organizing ensures the longevity of the leader and the followers. Interesting, verse 23, look at this. If thou shalt do this thing and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure. That's Moses. You'll be able to endure. You'll be able to stay at it for a long time and 
All this people shall go to their place in peace. He said, the people are wearing out, Moses. And you're wearing out, Moses. And it's not because Moses was evil. It's not because what he was doing was evil. It's because there was no organization to make it go like it ought to go and to disperse the the responsibilities over God's people. Organizing involves benefiting from good, practical advice while keeping God at the center of the equation. I'm going to make this statement to you. I'll show you the verse on this. Benefiting from advice does not mean doing away with your own ability to think and choose. Um, There's a couple of real dangerous mindsets. Both of them are unscriptural. That's why they're dangerous. One is the person who never thinks they never need any advice and they totally ignore all the verses that deal with the fact of wise counsel and and its part in our life. The other part is people who develop a cult-like mentality who think they've always got to run to some kind of spiritual leader to find out you know, what breath they ought to take next. It's almost that ridiculous sometimes. And don't learn how to seek God on their own. Don't learn how to get wisdom on their own from the Scripture and make their own decisions. God doesn't want either of those extremes for our life. He wants us to know that we need counsel to make good decisions. And a wise person seeks counsel. And He wants us at the same time to know that we have direct access to Him through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit of God dwells in if, if we're believers. We have His Bible. We have the promise if we lack wisdom, we can ask of God that give it to all men liberally and not break it not. And we can learn how to follow Him. And what it does, it combines humility and, and, and understanding and also the confidence in Christ. That, that was spoken of in the New Testament. And, and so benefiting from advice doesn't mean you've done away with your own ability to think and choose. I'm seeking advice. I'm, I'm looking. I, I, I need to see something. Here's something. This very afternoon, I was speaking with one of our men about a little project he's going to do here. And I said, hey, here's what I'm thinking would work for this. And he's got more knowledge in certain areas. And he said, that's a good idea where you want it, but if we use this material instead of that material, it's going to be a lot better and you're not going to have a problem down the road. And I said, that's why I'm talking to you. I know what I want to accomplish. I know what we need as a church. I know what we need for that particular area, for safety and for functionality. I know that. But you know what? I want somebody else looking at it and say, hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? No, I hadn't. And man, we've got to have a security that allows us to get advice without feeling threatened. <laughs> Every now and then I have fun. Uh, somebody will say, some of you in the room have said, I'm not picking on you. I'll, I'll pick on you all more personal things. But I'm not picking on you for saying this, but I, I always find it slightly amusing. Somebody will, they want to give me advice and they feel a little uncomfortable doing it. And I know why they do it. And it's, it, it's funny, they'll predicate it. Now, you're the pastor and the decision's yours. Okay, let me say something publicly. I know that. All right? I know that. I've got that down to the science. All right? And so I appreciate the fact that God has given within the body of this church a lot of people who have a lot of abilities and uh, who God works with. And that's, to me, that's a, that's a tremendous thing. And what happens is uh, that everyone was benefited by this. How much better is it that they could go get an answer? They didn't have to wait. There's the light for Moses. It's literally, it's a quarter mile long. I wonder, Brother Keith, how many, how much strife came about because people said, hang that. I mean, do you think, you've been waiting in line that long all the time? No, hang that, I'll just do it my own way. And so they didn't get the help they needed. And so what happened was, came along and it helped them. They were benefited by it. Uh, with that. Verse 27 is the verse that speaks to that. Look at it. And I absolutely love the way it was worded there. Look in verse uh, 27. That's not what I wanted. Verse 20... Okay, verse 23. Um, talking about keeping God at the center of it with this organization, uh, practical advice. Look in verse 23. Uh, here's how Jethro said it to him. He said, if thou shalt do this thing and God command thee so, then shalt thou. So what, what it was, the approach to it was, and Mo, again, Jethro exhibits so much leadership in the way he approaches Moses, it's startling. He says, you seek God on this. Here's a, here's, your, here's a thought, Moses. Here's observation from just looking at it. Um, you seek God and see if that's what He wants you to do. And if so, go. Now that's the way you take advice. 
Let me see about that and go. We used to have a saying, it was very true, Brother Carver, you may be familiar with this. There were some churches that really dreaded seeing their pastor go to a preacher's conference somewhere. Because they would come back with the latest, greatest idea. Now our church is doing this. Now we're doing that. Y'all are looking at me just like you would because we've never done that here. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Latest, greatest. Here it is. Well, you know what? It may be that you get an idea. But you're always going to check it and see what the Lord wants of it. You know, there are Bible commands. There are precepts. There are teachings. Those don't vary for anybody in any time, any culture. Within the boundaries of those, God gives us a lot of freedom in decision making. And do you know that within, I'm not talking about, you know, this nonsense stuff that's going on today. Well, that's a truth for you. That's not a truth for me. That's a bunch of garbage. All that is is, is, is uh, uh, it, it's relativistic thinking and it isn't truth. But we have the ability to make decisions. And you know, something that may work very well for another couple in here may not be something that my wife and I need to adopt right now. I'm not talking about a biblical living or biblical standard. But you know, our family may have a little different need at this time. A little different direction. And following advice means you take that thing before the Lord. And the way you do that, you know, I pray about it and I didn't feel good about it. Okay. You start studying in and see what Bible applies to it. You get wisdom from here. I'm all for praying about things, but this is what's solid. And so we need to know what the written Word of God says. Then let me say this to you. Um, organizing includes being able to face the reality of when current course of action is not good and adjust accordingly. That is in verse 17, which we read already, but look at it again. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, the thing that thou doest is not good. How much effort do you think Moses has already put in to leading these people to where they are there? How many tears has he already shed over these folks? How much pain suffered has he already felt in dealing with these great momentous things that have happened up to this point? You know what he had to face? This is not good. I'm trying to do a good thing. This isn't the good way of doing the good thing. We're talking here about us being transformed. We're talking about the organization of freedom. If we're going to live as free people in the Lord, we have to face when something just is not good the way we're going about it. And be willing to be instructed to go the right direction with it. And then let me say to you, organizing recognizes that even able men, remember I drew your attention to that twice because it was used twice, even able men have vastly different abilities. Look in verse 21. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men. So, all he's talking about are men of ability. He's not talking about the slough off and the lazy man and the sloth that won't do anything. You say, those aren't nice words. Well, that's not nice living either, is it? Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness. So, they've got this, a similar moral integrity. They're able men. They have a capacity, but look at it. Place such over them to be rulers of thousands. So some of these able men can rule over thousands. That takes an administrative capacity right there. And rulers of hundreds. That's no easy task. And rulers of fifties. And rulers of tens. Hmm. Well, look in verse 25. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people. All of them were able men, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. Uh, I wanted to draw your attention to the fact that even though they were all able men, they had vastly different abilities. This is reinforced over and over in the Bible. It's reinforced in the parable of the talents where the Lord of the servants divided unto every man according to his ability, his several ability. And their Lord got it exactly right. Talents are a weight measure of money. 
talents felt like, oh, look, I can sing. You know, it's, it's a weight measure of money. And what was happening, he was taking, the, the, the Lord of them was taking, taking a journey, and he was giving them his own goods, the Bible says, so that they could invest his own goods and make money for him while he was gone. That was the purpose. And you remember one of them, he gave five talents, which was quite a substantial amount. Another one, he gave two talents, and another one, he gave one. When the Lord comes back, the one with five has ten. That's a bunch. He says, well, I've done now. Get a faithful servant. The one that had two had four. Now that's six under what the ten guy had. Do you know what his Lord did? The exact same words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Why? Because they performed to their ability. Only one got in trouble. And he got in trouble because he hid his Lord's talent. I've said to you over again, I want to be a part of your thinking. He wouldn't have gotten in trouble if he had hid his own talent. And I've heard that said often in preaching. Well, that one hid his talent. No, he did. If it had been his talent, he would have been in trouble. The problem was he hid his Lord's talent. He did not use that which he'd been given as his Lord would have used it. Do you know that his, his Lord knew that one was a five-talent man and he expected five-talent performance of it. He knew one was a two-talent man. Didn't think less of him. Didn't say, oh, you're not quite a servant. They were all Lord's servants. They, they, they had equal regard for him. But he expected out of him a two-talent service. And one was one-talent man. He didn't say, well, we'll just give you something. No. That fellow, was if he would have done right with it, would have been operating just as fully as the five-talent person was. Moses had able men, the same terms used in those two verses, 21 and 25, and the same terms used for all these men, they were able men. Some had ten. They were able men, and what they were able to do was ten. And others had thousands. One of the worst things you can do in life is put a thousand able in a ten able position. They'll drive everybody around nuts and destroy everything. And then putting a ten-able one in a thousand-able thing, oh boy, that ends badly too. And so what happens is, they're different ones. Another way with it. Have you ever read about David's mighty men? How many of you have read about David's mighty men? You ever heard this phrase? And they, but the, yet they did not pertain into the first three. They would name these. And I mean, they're going down that list, getting down towards the bottom, and there ain't nobody there I want to mess with. I mean, the guys at the bottom of that list are like, whoa, this is special forces, I reckon. But they'd say, these did not pertain to the first three, and these did not pertain to the other way. In other words, they were all mighty men, but they were not of all of the same might. This is so vitally important. You come over in the New Testament, again, as you were with Talents, but you come over in the New Testament after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and what you have happening then as the Lord is explaining through His servant Paul, He's explaining to the Corinthian church, He said, you are a body. And the hand can't say, because I'm not a foot, I'm not a part of the body. The foot can't say, because I'm not a hand, I'm part of the body. He said, the eye can't say one thing, the ear another. He said, God made it all to work together, but each one needs to do what it's built for. Why? Because the organization of leadership realizes that this thing of, uh, this thing of uh, thinking that you're nothing if you can't do something somebody else does or somehow thinking you're superior if you imagine yourself to be better or if you in fact are better in an area. All that stuff is contrary to the way the Spirit of God wants to work in and through us. Instead, He wants us to understand whatever abilities He's given us, whatever strengths He's given us, whatever limitations we seem to have, God wants us to use them all, both the power and the limitation, to the glory of God. Like the Apostle Paul, we can say, I glory in my infirmities if I need to. Or we can go forth in whatever strength He's given us. Why? Because there's an organization to freedom. And when we do what God's made us to do, there's a great freedom in it. I mentioned this, and forgive me, my class from my adult class in the morning. But I mentioned, I don't know why it's on my mind today this much, but a good friend of ours, my wife and mine, Kenny Moreland, home with the Lord. Kenny, uh, quite, a, quite, a, quite an accomplished man in what he did. I mentioned he's the comptroller of Preble County for a number of years, which meant he oversaw all the different budgets. Highest non elected position in the county. Kenny never taught a class. He did not like to teach me in front of people. He was a good soul winner. He was a constant witness for the Lord. Um, 
Kenny played the guitar while Ron was saying, and his wife. Kenny never pushed himself to the head of a crowd. I never saw him in a group of men, and, and uh, Brother Jeff, you got to meet my pastor in the room. I was saved and baptized, told to preach. Uh, Brother, men, uh, Brother Jeff's church has always had a lot of men in them. There was a good population of men. It just he attracted men. And the, uh, I never saw Kenny try to exert himself in their meeting and, or anything like that. But there was a leadership there. And I'm telling you, Kenny was one of the most stable, um, solid men I've ever known in Christian Say, so, well, what was his official title? He was a deacon at some point, but he didn't have official title. Say, so, what was his official position? He served the Lord with whatever needed done. But he was one of the most stable. Kenny didn't get work up. Somebody get upset, and he's just being a calming influence. I remember after we were over here just a little while, Brother Jeff stepped down from being pastor of that church, and there was some real conflict. When I, Brother Kenny Moreland was a huge stabilizing influence in there. He said, why? I never saw him try to compare himself with somebody else in the church. And I knew Kenny, he's older than I, but he, I knew Kenny um, um, probably, I think Kenny got saved five months before I did or something like that. And so he was already a married man and that when he got saved. And, and I was a teenager. But Kenny, in the Lord, he was only about five months older than me. But you know what? He really, I saw him personified. Someone who just, all I ever saw him to do, and I'm not painting like he was a saint, had no flaws or anything like that. Um, but he, he was just consistent. I never saw him step away from what he was. And there was something in him, he never got over the fact that God actually loved him. That Christ had saved him by his grace. That he was accepted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was content to learn that scripture and try to learn to live for God. He wasn't worried about what everybody else was doing. He wanted to know where he could be a part of the body of Christ doing what he ought to do. And I'll tell you what, I have a lot of friends that are preachers. Obviously, I'm a preacher. I have a lot of folks. I've, I've you know, I've got dear friends. I believe are very godly men of God who use their congregations. They would think this a large church. I've got friends who preach to thousands on a regular basis, and they're just all over the country. You know what? All of them have in common that are consistently doing something for the Lord. They're not in competition with anybody. They're not trying to make a name for themselves. They're trying to do what they can do on the ground. And the organization of freedom is this, that we center around Lord Jesus Christ and His teachings and become self-governing according to the Word. And I say self-governing, we're governed by this. But we yield to the Spirit of God and within that yielding, there's great, great freedom. Pray with me if you would. That's what the Lord gave me for you tonight. Father, thank you for your people and uh, time with them. Thank you that they took time tonight to be in the Lord's house and set that time aside and it was important to them. I pray you'll bless. God, help us to be people who follow you. Thank you for setting us free and may we be free in a way that honors you. God, help us never to use our freedom for lasciviousness or, or indulgence of the flesh, but rather to honor your name. Bless your people with courage to follow you. Help them to trust in the fact they belong to you. And God, I pray you'll help us to be a people who honor your name with our actions, I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together, please. And